only the team and the family knows uh, what we've been through in the last four or five weeks. And uh, this probably is the, I would say, biggest victory in my life, considering the circumstances. Twenty-five minutes past six. Uh, if you stayed up like I did and watched the show last night, it was the Novak Djokovic show. Stefano Tsitsipas, who has been criticised in some quarters very unfairly, put up a very good fight. Lost in straight sets. I think Novak Djokovic made three unforced errors in the last set, which went for thirteen games or twelve games plus a tiebreak. So it gives you an indication about what kind of planet this guy's on when he's playing his best tennis. And the fans loved it. Nearly eight hundred and forty thousand fans. A new two-week attendance record, beating the previous record in twenty. 20, the boss of the Australian Open, the tournament director, Craig Tiley, joins me live. Welcome, Craig. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good. Um, another amazing tournament that had the perfect crescendo in the end, well, particularly for Novak fans. Uh, absolutely. It was, um, you know, we had a, a, it was a magnificent event. Um, and then, you know, where, where it started, we were, we were a little concerned at the beginning because we, you know, we'd obviously, Ash wasn't there and we'd lost, and, and, and uh, Serena and Roger had retired and, and then Rafa lost early, and then we had a, a day of stoppage because of heat, and, and then a full day of stoppage because of rain, and so we had everything thrown at us. But uh, to finish the finish the event with um, the both the both the winners we had, which were the best players in the draw, um, and and had played best right throughout, as as well as um, as well as with a record crowd, uh, we're very happy with that. So, Craig, time seems to be a big talking point this tournament. Now, I, I mentioned on the show last week, I, I might be, I must be in the minority here. I don't mind the late finishes because the tournament's once a year. We only have four slams a year. It's kind of this unique thing in sport where there's two people separated by a net going hammer and tongs in the middle of the night. And I just think it's pretty unique. But I can understand a lot of people think there should be some sort of curfew time. W- what kind of consideration will you give between now and the tournament next year? Yeah, well, interestingly, um, after every event, we do a debrief and we go through a full debrief and figure out um, what could be done better, what need to improve, and, and we work on it with the players. But the scheduling, we do work closely with the players. And um, and having a situation where um, you know this is again fairly unusual. It's only twice in the last fifteen years we've had matches finished past three a.m. and that's not ideal for anyone. That particular match Andy Murray played against the Nazi Kokonakis went for close to six hours. And yeah. part, of, part of the challenge we have in sport now is the fact that there's, the, the, the length of the rallies hasn't changed much over the last five years. But what has changed? Players taking more time between points. Mm. And now that they have the 25-second shot clock or reserve clock, uh, players are taking that full time. They never used to take that time. Um, and also with COVID, they used to be handed their tails. Now they've got to go walk all the way back and grab them. So these are just added. And we think it's adding anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes per match uh, with that extra time. So so we need to look at that as a sport. And you maybe look at changing some things like no lets or no warm-up with your opponent. Just some things that generally are not needed and generally make the length of the match longer. And then there's been conversation around curfews and starting earlier. Starting earlier is not possible because we, we want to start right after the news hour. And going into a curfew, I mean, we have to do a curfew, but the players themselves need to agree to that. And, and they as a group are not. They're completely split on doing that. So there's a bit of work to be done. But again, actually, this year, on average, the, the late finishes were not, not dissimilar to what we had in the past few years. So that's interesting, your first point about the like the the time in between points in the AFL a few years ago they introduced the shot clock and what yep. they, what they found after a few years is that players were actually standing at the the back of their their mark watching the clock milking as much time as they could before they started yep. to walk in and so they now yep. you know give a warning and they hurry players up but are you finding that in tennis that maybe if you take it take it away again not as many people will yep. use it 
I, I think it's a, good, it's a good point because I, I mean, my personal opinion, we've got, to, we've got to get some data on this, but my personal opinion is if you actually take the soft clock away and you hand it back over to the, the, the referees to, um, or the umpire on the court to make, make the call, um, you know, they're going to call time. And, and what happens, how it works now is that right after the point, a player works back, walks back to either get ready to serve or return, and then they start the 25-second clock. So in the case of like Andy Murray and others, sometimes they take longer to walk back, um, mm. and, uh, and that adds an extra 20, 30 seconds. So I think we've got to look at that. We did, we did a review of Andy's match, for example, and 60% of his points were over 25 seconds. So, um, so it just gives an indication of why those matches are so long. But again, we've got to also consider players have to recover and get enough recovery time. But maybe we look at a different times. If you hit an ace, you don't have 25 seconds. You've got to start yep. right away. Or if you have a long rally. So I think those are the kinds of things we've got to look at. Craig, um, so much of the story with Novak Djokovic last night was, you know, the emotion that he showed, you know, straight yep. after um, winning, but also in his press conference, in his on-court interview, he talked about how difficult the last 12 months had been. And, and I think in a lot of ways for Australians, he humanised himself in a way that we hadn't necessarily seen. Can I just yep. ask, as, you know, you had a very different um, perspective on the whole thing, but you were also embroiled heavily in the last 12 months. How have you reflected on it? You know, in the last twelve, eighteen hours. Well, I think I think the the, the, the last three years have been ex- very difficult, and uh, not just for us for the Australian Open, but for everyone. And you know, twenty twenty one, we were in the middle of the lockdown, so we had to we had to lock down under twelve hundred players and their staff. And twenty twenty two is the beginning of Omicron, and uh, then twenty twenty three was a normal event, but it's also three years later before we had our best event. So well, after we had our best event, so. So it's a very different environment and, and, and a very challenging one. And, and, and this year, you know, we had a lot of new staff. We had, uh, you know, we were three years since we had a full event and, and the crowd that we had, uh, that, requ- that, that takes a lot of management. So I think this year was a difficult one. I think for Novak it was particularly difficult because he didn't know how he'd be received in the Australian crowd. He didn't know. Uh, he, had, he, had, he, w- he did have an injury to his, to his uh, hamstring and, and it was – um, it was significant, and you know, to, to play like he played and to get through that, I think, was remarkable. Um, and he had the pressure of, of having to come back and win it after after having such um, uh, such a difficult period the last two years. So, so I think in that sense, those all add up to the fact that it, for him, it probably was the most difficult event, but the most remarkable. And they'll deal with it a lot behind the scenes, and he and his team are, are very easy to deal with, and 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 are very respectful and and don't cause any issues. What about you, though, Craig, personally? How's it been? I mean, I remember 12 months ago, you know, you were booed in, in a court when Sam Stoza was retiring. You, you became, in, in a lot of ways, this quasi-politician when you were running a, a sporting tournament. Yeah. I mean, how, yeah, not, how difficult has, has it been for you? Yeah, not by choice. <laughs> yep. um, at, the, at the end of the day, um, you know, my job is to bring the best players into the country, to put on the best possible event and to generate as much economic impact to, to the Victorian economy as possible. Uh, to work closely with the government to hit all of our objectives uh, as far as the event goes, and uh, you know we've achieved those every year. We're coming out of the pandemic with a with no debt, everyone in their jobs, and uh, and being able to deliver either break even or marginal profit the year after 
after COVID. So I think in itself, that's a remarkable achievement by the team. We've got a great team and, uh, and they've done an unbelievable job. And, and so I, um, as from a personal point of view, I think you get energized and motivated when you have a team that delivers as successfully as they have um, over the past three years. And my job is to keep it together and, and keep everyone motivated and, and to do what we did this year. So from a personal point of view, yes, it was difficult. I, I, I don't seek that attention. and It, it, it was um, not something I was, you know, would, would want to repeat, but uh, it kind of goes with the leadership role and, uh, and you have to accept those challenges uh, if you're in these positions. Were you able to chat to Novak after last yes. night or, or today yes. and have and reflect on that? Because he talked about, you know, last night being a, an element of redemption for himself. It sort of felt like that to a small degree for the tournament in itself. Yeah, I think I think he, you know, he's he's an unbelievably motivated, uh, focused individual, and just a remarkable athlete in every sense of the word. I think his biggest asset is his mental strength, and and uh, and he went through he went through a very difficult time and, and uh, uh, over the past year. But he's been through difficult times before. But he's resilient and he comes through it. And you know, he talks about his youth and his childhood and the experiences that they had as a young family. I don't think you can really appreciate it unless you actually experience what he's experienced. But but, but uh, we do talk. We talk a fair bit. We, we, we talked for quite a bit last year after what happened, and, and we met up a few times, and, and you know, and, and then we, we spent a bit of time together this week. I saw him this morning. We caught up and had a chat. So, um, And he's always been respectful, gracious, and, and, and extremely appreciative of the efforts that we go, that this turn up and goes to, you know, to make it happen. I mean, everyone gets treated the same. Everyone gets treated fairly, and, and he knows that. And everyone gives it a good fair go, as we, as we, as we, like, as we like to do. So... So I think the, um, you know, I mean, I, I can see it being extremely difficult. You saw him basically emotionally collapse after the end of the match and, yeah. and be very emotional. And, and in the box, I've never seen that in all my time in tennis. And, and I think that this came purely off the back of, of the release of, of just, you know, relief finally. And, uh, and because he put a lot of pressure on himself to win this event. And I don't think it was to have redemption. It was more to prove to himself that what he went through that he can overcome. And, uh, and he, he certainly did. Do you think he'll be back next year? Yep, absolutely. I think he's he's got quite a few more years in him. He, you know, he's he, he's proven. I mean, he's mid thirties and he's proven that he can he can play with an injury. You know, when he won it a few years ago, he actually had a, had a stomach uh, an issue with one of his stomach muscles, and and uh, and you really need to rely on that to serve and hit overheads. But he has managed managed to get through that. He took a little bit off his serve to compensate, and he still found a way to win it. So he's that good where he can still he can still win. Um, matches when he's not 100%, and uh, and I think he's going to always be tough to beat. But you know, at some point you reach an age where you, your your body starts to give in a little bit. But he's not there yet. He's uh, I think he's still got a lot of tennis in him, and this is his favorite place to play. He said it last night. This is his home court, um, and uh, and I think that the younger players like their Stephanos are going to be there knocking on his door. And I think we're going to see a lot more of City Pass, and we're going to see a lot more. Uh, of him in the final weekend, and just finally, that com- that comment from Novak last night was particularly telling, Craig. Given what he went through last year, like I know he's now one ten here, it's clearly his favourite place to come yeah. from a tennis perspective. But you could understand that any human being would have some demons. I know there's a lot of people that don't necessarily like him. I understand he's a divisive character, yeah. but he ended up yeah. being basically a pawn in a political game of chess last year, and that could have easily damaged his or tainted his view on Australia. He, um, he 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 looked beyond that, and um, and in, in our conversations, uh, he definitely he said that to me. That was a moment in time, and uh, while it was extremely difficult, it took him a while to recover from it, and I can empathise with that as well because it was 
you know, also personally difficult for many people during that time, but not just those that that, that faced that, but there were others that far challenging circumstances and they lost loved ones with COVID. So, um, so I think the uh, we all we all you know realized the environment that we were in, and and it took him it did take him some time to recover, and and he uh, you know he's still not allowed to travel to the U.S. because he he remains unvaccinated, and as a consequence, you know that's going to be difficult for him again this year. That the U.S. haven't lifted that ban, and and so you know that, uh, for, from a tennis tour point of view, uh, you know that's going to be uh, have an ongoing challenge for him. But with that being said, he's still. Uh, is extremely resilient. You know, we spoke a lot about it, and and uh, and he never once in our communication was he saying that this is a this is this is about vengeance and and uh, and 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 or anything to that tune or to that effect. But it was more of the fact that he was uh, he was first and foremost very focused on trying to win this event, and thirdly against significant odds, having an injury. And the biggest thing for him is he's really concerned about how is he going to be how is he going to be received by the Australian crowd. And and as I said, I said this a long time ago, right at the beginning, is that a lot of confidence in the in this particular sporting crowd in, in Australia. And they appreciate greatness and uh, they appreciate uh, someone going through hard uh, you know going through hard experiences and, and then coming out of it. And that definitely happened. Craig, really appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Sam. Have a, have a good evening, Craig Tiley, tournament director of the Australian Open.